0: deadly grounds coffee knows how important your coffee is to you every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest deepest smoothest flavor you'll ever
1: find we're coffee freaks too and deadly serious about our brew just one sip and you'll know why we say once you go deadly you don't go back it's truly coffee to die for So when
2: you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com.
1: It's coffee so good, (laughs) it's scary. Warning,
2: warning.
1: Today's episode contains Spoilers. spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first. Then listen to this episode. Thank you.
3: What kind of a sick school is this? Uh-oh,
4: Strange things are afoot at the circle.
2: You're going to need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious I am serious, and don't call me sure You got spunk I hate spunk Danger, Will Robinson, danger
5: Oh righty. Then. How you doing? Back off, man I'm a scientist Don't make me angry You wouldn't like me when I'm angry
6: Send off to my lips I love to
5: smell a in the morning What are you people? On dope?
2: Stop whining. I've
5: got a crap on deck, that's a choke I don't care.
1: Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid
5: I can't do that.
2: Can I do
5: that? I'll be back. A dino Show me the money!
2: Don't,
5: don't up your nose when you have a phone. A what?
2: I'm sailing! I'm sailing!
6: You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down.
5: means never had him to say you're sorry.
1: He's looking at you, kid.
5: We've got no food. We've got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off.
3: Go to the coast. we we'll get together. Have a few
5: laughs. Hear Elizabeth? <laughs> I'm coming to join
4: you, honey. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What
5: we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do?
4: put it up to 11, 11 exactly one loud why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder these go to 11 we're on a mission from guy
1: hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of then is now podcast i am your host rigor Fifty years ago, on May 8, 1971, a movie came out that was not your average horror picture. A blend of horror, humor, and music put together in a way that seems perfectly natural, yet unlike any movie before it. It's a tale of revenge by a man driven insane because of the death of his wife and the fantastic and horrific ways in which he exacts his revenge, told in a story that's shrouded somewhat in dark comedy. I'm talking, of course, about the abominable Dr. Fibes, starring the legendary horror actor Vincent Price. The movie was so well-received that it garnered a sequel in 1972 called Dr. Fibes Rises Again. On today's show, we not only have the return of an amazing guest co-host, but also the creator of Dr. Fibes, William Goldstein, and his son Damon. So go and watch these films, then come back here to listen to our excellent discussion with the Goldsteins and learn about a horror picture that you may not have heard of, but will entertain you immensely. Class is in session.
6: I have a- bad feeling about this
1: how could i possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this
5: Food fight! hey
1: you in my class i am today
5: i think you should consider transferring to shop class Woo-hoo! now now very few students are severely injured in Shaw class
3: bueller
1: when you were in school
2: bueller did you ever cut class bueller yeah i guess i did sure
5: most kids cut glasses
4: good sign this um, he's sick.
5: I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance oh, bell rings and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk,
2: and stupid is no way to go through life, son.
5: You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades, or gold stars, or demerits. We're gonna have recess all the time. Woo! Go play and have fun now.
1: Folks, my co-host today was a guest on Episode 5, which has been cited by many listeners as one of their favorite episodes to date. He also guest co-hosted with me on our other show, The East Meets the West. He's a writer, producer, and one of the hardest working podcasters in the industry. Please welcome the host of the beloved show, Monster Kid Radio, Mr. Derek M. Cook. Welcome, Derek. You're
0: laying that on pretty thick,
1: man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So happy you're able to join us here in what's going to be a fabulous episode of Then Is Now. I've been looking forward to it. Awesome. So our other guests today are No Strangers to Horror... William Goldstein is the creator of Dr. Fibes and the best-selling author of the cult classic Dr. Fibes series, including Dr. Fibes, Dr. Fibes Rises Again, Dr. Fibes in the Beginning, and the recently published Dr. Fibes' Volnavia's Secret. He's also the co-writer of the top grossing horror motion picture, The Abominable Dr. Fibes, starring Vincent Price, which was recently re-released on Blu-ray, and he's the screenwriter for the 1976 picture The Amazing Dobermans. He's currently busy collaborating with his son, Damon Goldstein, who has co-written many any of the books I just mentioned, as well as Dr. Fibes, The Androbots. Please welcome to the show, William and Damon Goldstein.
4: Good morning. Nice, nice, to, nice to meet you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Excellent. I'm so honored to have you all here. It's going to be a great episode. I'm just going to give a brief synopsis of the Fibes films, and then we'll, we'll sort of dive into that, okay? Sounds great. All right.
5: Lovely music for a murder, or two, or three, or nine. Who's this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet a dear friend. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Your wife, no vibes. But you I will kill. But you can't, Doctor. I am already dead.
6: Here, how are we going to get him
4: off this? You take his head, and I'll take his feet. Let's unscrew him.
5: Dr. Vibes, who samples the finer things of life in his own inimitable way. And experiments with fascinating instruments of death. The what, sir? The guitar. The ten curses visited upon the pharaohs before Exodus. Nine shall die. Nine eternities in doom. Uh, curse of boils, of bats. The frogs? Of the frogs, yes. And the curse of blood. Curse of Hail in the bloody middle of nowhere. Are you ready? the most terrifying motion picture you'll ever see.
1: The Abominable Dr. Fibes came out in 1971, and the film follows the title character Dr. Anton Fibes, who blames the medical team that attended to his wife's surgery four years prior for her death, and sets out to exact vengeance on each one. Fibes is inspired in his murderous spree by the Ten Plagues of Egypt from the Old Testament. Then, in 1972, came Dr. Fibes Rises Again. After seeking vengeance on the doctors, whom he blamed for his wife's death in the first film, Fibes returns to seek the mythical elixir of eternal life in Egypt while he pursues a centuries-old man who holds the ancient secrets that Fibes needs. So... William, I had read, and tell me if this is true or not, or tell us what the process was. But I read that the concept for this movie, for the first movie, came to you in a series of dreams that you had over the course of a week.
6: That's true. (laughs) And we were in San Francisco, we were living in San Francisco at the time, and uh, the the fog comes in at two o'clock, and that sort of gets things working. But yes, for one week, very vivid dreams about this uh, Dr. The original name was Dr. Pi, P-H-I-B-E, but it became five somewhat later, and the, the original story unfolded during those dreams.
1: That's amazing. And you, you brought it to the co-writer?
6: Yeah, if you don't mind some dates. 1964 is, uh, is when, the, when the original story evolved in, in these dreams. In 1968, I connected back up with uh, my high school chum. Jim Whiten, who had been living in Hollywood at the time and had some success with television, we wrote the screenplay, and then the unexpected happened. It was picked up within a year by Sam Arkoff at uh, AIP, and the rest is history.
1: That's amazing. That's so amazing. So, Derek, question for you: When was the first time that you saw the Abominable Dr. Fibes? Oh
0: man, it's been it's been a while. Uh, I, I I originally had that. Uh, the, the the double feature DVD that had come out with the, both of the films on there. Yeah, so it's been years. Uh, I just recently rewatched both of these movies. The first one last night, and the other one this morning, just to make sure that they're fresh in my memory. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a while. I've, I've had these movies in my collection and in, in, in my, I guess, in my life for a long time.
1: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, Damon, I was telling Damon on the phone a while ago. I saw it like when I was like eight or nine years old, we were visiting some friends in New Hampshire. I was living in Massachusetts at the time. And I, I will just never forget it. It was one of those things that even though it was, um, I mean, my parents always took me to scary movies anyways. So even though it was kind of scary, I was <laughs> fascinated by it. I just loved the story. And I, I rewatched both of them again um, in the past week as well.
4: Exactly, Derek. That's, I mean, Rigor, that's, uh, that's my memory too. I mean, I saw it when I was 13 and, in fact, took uh, a bunch of my friends from the neighborhood down to Market Street in San Francisco for the San Francisco premiere. And uh, the production, to me, the, all the colors and the set uh, and the acting. Of course, Vincent Price stole the whole show with his performance. And he really is Dr. Fives. And it's, and it's just uh, it's one of those things that you do remember and especially since we were both so young you know you're you're impressionable you know movies were really state of the art then and that was the best entertainment so to take all my friends down there that was just a lot of fun and it, it's 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 like it was just yesterday because uh the movie still relates today and the story obviously half love story half horror story still resonates as well today
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it definitely just everything, like you said, it holds up so well. And it's so entertaining from beginning to end. It's, it's, you know, I, I I like to try and recommend things to younger people in the audience on this show. And I definitely think they should see this movie because it it just stands out. It's such an interesting combination of, you know, horror and dark comedy, and just all these things that that you really hadn't seen before in a in a movie like that, you know?
4: well that's uh, that's true and 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 it actually has been the the resource and inspiration for newer movies like Ford or uh, 7 even these movies while they went more into the blood and guts and the gore i've heard both of the directors and writers of those movies say they did get their inspiration from doc fives and so you know we could even dub dr the first theatrical movie serial killer but he's a anti he's a, he's a anti hero uh, uh only in name because when you watch the film you really you want him to succeed even though he's killing people so it's it's uh <laughs> it connects on a lot of
6: levels a lot of different levels there that's funny I'm hearing something, if I may, that that, uh, I've wanted to carry through in in these stories. And the stories are, the funny thing about writing books, you you meet people in books, and they have their own stories, uh, and you finish the one book, and you've learned a little bit about them. And then in later books, you come across that character again, and there's something new in that character so uh, that's been the phenomenon in 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 the, the book series but yeah. the thing that's coming through in this in this conversation is is it's good to know namely that fives is a, is a sympathetic character because his is an eternal love and all he ever wants to do is and the word is the 25 word he wants to revivify his beloved victoria regina Anything and anyone that gets in his way pays a price, and the price is 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 death. But he's not a common killer. <laughs> he, he uses he uses right. uh, uh, classic themes. Uh, the first film, of course, was Book of Exodus, the attack. Uh, later themes uh, we won't go into now, but they are there. And uh, I think those two elements is what is what. Keeps the audiences and the fans coming. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Well, no, I agree with you. You know, Fibes to me, he's not a villain. He's, he's you know, anybody who's lost someone can identify with him. And, you know, he's just, it's not just anger. He's not just getting true vengeance. It's, he's, um, uh, what do, how do I phrase this? He's striking out against the people because he believes they were responsible for Victoria's death. But it's from this it stems from this overpowering grief, at least in my book. Sure. It's okay. a
4: poetic. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a go ahead. poetic murdering. <laughs> yeah. You go ahead,
5: Derek.
0: Well, no, I, I was just, I was going to say, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, You know, I, I, uh, about 15, 20 years ago, I used to work retail and I was working in a, uh, it wasn't a Suncoast, but it was one of those uh, store. Well, actually, no, I take it back. It was a Suncoast video that I was working at and, I was known as the horror guy there. If anybody call, came in looking for horror movies to buy, I was the one that they would always come to. And I would always try to steer them towards some of the more, you know, classic stuff because that's what I was into. And if I knew somebody was looking for one of these bloody slasher movies, whatever, and you know, these gory films from from now, I would try to steer them towards things like Dr. Fives because I felt like Dr. Fibes would be a good crossover from, you know, the modern, I guess, slasher movement to to a more classic way of of storytelling with Vincent Price and all that. I don't know if I won anybody over, made any new fans or anything, but I always tried to steer people towards that because I felt like it would serve as a a good vessel to get people from the more modern stuff to the more classic way of storytelling with Vincent Price, with the way that the murders were handled, with the performances, with the music. There's just so much about vibes that I think resonates. And I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that, People haven't seen this movie. They need to see this movie. (laughs) Oh,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
6: We appreciate your hope. We appreciate the results because we do see the results. The fans just keep coming. Damon has done a pretty good work in marshalling and mobilizing them and uh, all pointing toward uh, the 50th anniversary in May. So, Mm -hmm. uh, again, a big thank you to, to to,
1: to you both. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's it's just an honor to have you guys here, Damon. You had mentioned too that what this influenced uh, modern movies, and I I definitely saw a lot of influence from the Saw movies, or vice versa, influence in the Saw movies from Doctor Fibes, and it, it's just great how a movie that's fifty years old can still influence modern films.
4: Well, that that is the the very interesting thing because. Not only do we do we see the influences, but the the fans that we're getting feedback from, they're of a younger generation. Yet they seem to be fixated and know their know their film history and prefer the older horror films. And so what we're getting in the industry, uh, vis-a-vis uh, Saw and uh, and Seven, is a direct homage, practically, to the old way of making horror films and not just this blood and guts and frightening uh, visuals. This is um, encouraging to, to writers in general, but specifically to us, because as you say, 50 years, which that is the year, uh, this year, is the year of Dr. Fives and our 50th anniversary. So uh, we're very excited to see how it has as you say, held up, um, and and even gone forward to not gild the lily here, or or announce anything before its time. But we have we do have um, a third screenplay for the third Doctor Fives film, and is titled Forever Fives, and um, we've been in negotiations, uh, recent negotiations, to to make this third film, possibly bring it into. A Netflix series. So, uh, yes, 50 years, uh, but it's maybe 50 days in the sense that, you know, we're still very active. My dad is, you know, still very active. He's, he's been writing these books and I, I'll let him make his own announcement. We're still very active in trying to get return Dr. Fibes to the silver screen. And if we, if, 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 uh, we can get him on Netflix, uh, even better.
1: That's amazing. Do you guys have like a dream actor that that would do the near impossible task of replacing Vincent Price for the third film?
4: Well, we do. We do have an actor, uh, a classically trained actor attached to the project. I uh, had the very uh, good fortune to meet Malcolm McDowell uh, on a happenstance. And I introduced myself. You know, you, you always wonder, well, do you want to do you want to interrupt somebody's uh, personal time? and? And, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't say anything or whatever. You don't, you don't want to approach anybody like that. But I, I was with my wife, and she said, go for it. You, you talk to him. And so I, I went up and, as I say, introduced myself. He remembered Dr. Fives And uh, uh, he said, oh, yes, I'd be interested. Talk to my, talk to my manager. Well, uh, as they say, one thing led to another. We met for lunch, and Malcolm McDowell, is is uh, signed on. He's attached to the project, and he will be reprising the role of Doctor Fives.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Wow, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, it's. It,
4: and we've gotten a lot of, I mean, super amount of good feedback for for Malcolm McDowell. As I mean, everyone else, uh, the whole time, in, in between, you know. 71 and and now everyone including ourselves was saying well vincent you know it can only be vincent dr fives is vincent price and vincent price is dr fives and, and and neither neither the two shall be separated well with malcolm mcdowell coming on everyone is, is included him as being dr fives they, they think it's great and uh we're really looking forward to this this coming to fruition
1: that's so cool. You know, and it's funny because, like, for over a decade, I've I've had this thought. Because of the computers and, and what we can do with the computers now, I've always thought, wouldn't it be cool to if you could scan in Vincent Price from head to toe, scan in every single line of dialogue he's ever said, and then you get a motion capture actor to play him, <laughs> and you could make a whole new Vincent Price movie.
6: <laughs> let me, let me, let me. Absolutely. You could... Let me let me jump in here. Um, <laughs> you you just you just tur- you just touched one of the uh, one of the neural uh, elements in, in the ongoing story. Uh, Fives <laughs> has an entourage, as as you may have guessed, starting with Valnavia, his mute assistant. Right. He has built from scratch the clockwork wizards, and how did he do that? he recuperated at the Klingenstein clinic high up in the alps and he was in a room number 4 with a sign on the door irgendine und decanto they didn't know who he was at the time he had lost his powers of speech his room was one floor removed from the surgical pavilion and from that and what he could hear through the walls, the movement of the surgical instruments. He me- he memorized surgical procedures. Wow. Save that for a moment. He also, in his early career, he was a member of HMDS, Her Majesty's uh, Diplomatic Service. He lived in London and visited frequently the British Science Museum, where on display was edward babbage difference engine oh wow the original computer built in the mid 19th century he made a replica of that and with that and his knowledge of surgical procedures he proceeded to build and develop not only volnavia but the clockwork wizards One final note on the Wizards, and we're going to see more of them. Uh, Traditionally, they're puppets, and uh, the traditional puppet is an invention who wants to be, and was invented to, be looking more like humans. But we hear their lead singer, whose name is Sophie, uh, who's making up for a performance uh, in one of the later stories. She's at the mirror, and... This line, and this is going to be a quote in the, in coming audi- for coming audiences, she looks in the mirror and she says to herself, I know I'm supposed to be human, and then pauses and then looks back at herself in the mirror, do I really want that? Now, huh. for the first time, a puppet is asking the key question, what's so good about being human? Why would I want to do that? that we're going to carry on that theme in later stories. But for now, Five's mastery of surgical procedures and the, the, really the world's first commuter, computer <laughs> enabled him to build his entourage. And they figure heavily in the later stories than in Forever Fibes, uh, that story, which also has a new death geometry, similar to, but not identical with, the biblical uh terms so there's stuff that'll appeal to our high-tech audience and uh the word the word for any you know for any creative enterprise that's had a history you want to stay relevant so this among other things will make the new vibes relevant
1: that's excellent that's so great I-, I had two questions about volnavia one is why did she follow him so blindly and the other is um Obviously, she survived from the first movie to the second. Do you explain that in in the book about Volnavia?
6: Up to a point, uh, she, remember, he made her. And he made her for a reason, namely that he could not continue with his forever mission, namely bringing about the revivification of his beloved Victoria Regina alone. And, for example, he takes ice baths twice a day. To cool his nervous system, which had essentially been fried during his let's go back to the to the car wreck, uh, he's racing home on a an Alpine two lane with black ice on it to be with his wife, who has been in called into emergency surgery. His car spins out of control, and he's thrown down the roadway and the gravel 50 yards. In the meantime, uh, the car itself, they used benzene fuel in in performance cars in those days. So the the fuel line was ruptured. The fuel, what was left in the tank, dripped down onto the uh, electrical wiring. And there was this huge explosion, which blew him further into the roadside. So he... Having lost his powers of voice, um, he could not go on it alone, and because of that tremendous heat, he needed these daily ice baths. So that's a practical reason why he he built her, um, and then similarly to keep him, he literally to keep he he among other things he. When they lived in maldine Square Mansion, they had a, a large ballroom, and Fibes tried to recreate uh, the days of courtship that he had with his with his beloved. They were a they were a couple who flashed across across the society pages of 1920s continent. They were a dashing couple. He, the senior diplomat, she, a young American. Um, girl, and they made this brilliant uh, dash of fame, and then it all it all exploded. So he, forever after, wherever they lived, and they moved uh, in one of the later stories to Gramercy Square in New York, but he, rec- he wanted to re- recreate those days, and part of that recreation was a ballroom in his mansion complete with the crystal ball and the champagne and so forth
1: wow that's amazing
6: you'll see more of that in the news in the news stories as we move along
1: and what was vincent price like in real life very uh,
6: uh very courtly very 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 courtly man um, all all those manners but but with a <laughs> there's a story uh uh, Virginia north who, who was Volnavia in the first film, and also Valley Kemp who was Volnavia in the second film they they do a they do it early on in the film they do a a dance scene with with him in the in the ballroom and during that scene it's supposed to be very formal but he would he would as they're dancing he would say funny things and they had all they could do to <laughs> to keep from laughing and of course that generated extra takes but <laughs> basically very very genial guy but also very formal and and funny as, as well that's an odd combination
1: so when he when he would have to make these motions with his throat to indicate that he was speaking he obviously wasn't speaking they they dubbed everything in post did he come up with that or was there a plan to do that right from the beginning or was that sort of an actor written, thing
6: it was written in and uh, uh the film was shot uh, in, in Elstree Studios near London. Uh, I was working in San Diego at the time. I wasn't on set, nor was Jim White, and rarely do writers get to be on set anyway. So the, the, how, that, how that actually came to being, I would have to leave that up to the, the AD working on the set. There is one famous scene where they're sipping champagne, and uh, here, here, he goes with the cham- with the with the with the champagne glass into his neck. So, right. so I, I think I think that's how he did. Uh, he probably was a, a, one of the contributors to how they worked that out.
1: That's so cool. Yeah, I wondered about that. It was that that was one of the creepiest scenes for me in the movie. <laughs> it it did get some comments. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to the discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and Ahead of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kids Radio.
3: Hello, this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit... We have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. There's an in-depth look at the western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil and our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't. Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody Pit. So join me for The Bloody Pit.
2: Greetings, this is Mr. Lobo. Are you a sin somniac? Do you stay up late and watch what normal people call bad movies till dawn? Black and white low-budget boilers, box office bombs, West German talking car movies, rock bands versus monster movies, broken down school films, midget zombie and midget spy flicks, guys in gorilla suit movies, even old TV commercials, inappropriate cartoons, drive-in snack bar ads, and worse? <clears throat> well, we like to say they're not bad movies. Just misunderstood. Stay up late with Miss Mittens, your host, Mr. Lobo, and a revolving door of special guests, fellow horror movie hosts, robot monsters, and lovely Real 7 Girls for a late night TV slumber party that we call Cinema Insomnia. You can watch us on channel OSI 74 for Roku. We even have some episodes on Amazon and Alpha Video DVD. You may never get a good night's sleep again. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the dorking Network, hosted by a nerd whose name Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and
1: wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So, William, what was your involvement with the second film? Well, uh, all right. Uh,
6: let's open the door slightly to that. Uh, <laughs> Jim and I wrote, wrote the second script uh, on contract because AIP wanted to come right out. They, they really weren't prepared with, for the success of the first one, and having looked at the numbers, uh, uh, we were commissioned to, to write the second script. The title is Fives Resurrectus which is in the true fives vein, we worked with their story editor named Bob Lees and did not know at the time, so what else is new? There's, there's a lot of undercover stuff in the business,
5: right. that
6: he was developing a, 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 a different script with, with Bob Foos, the, the director of the first one. And at the same time, Jim Nicholson, who was Arkoff's, Sam Arkoff's partner, he left the company, so we got left in second place, and our script was not produced. Oh man! Uh, in the meantime, uh, Fives Rises again was produced. There was a very interesting element in there where they're in the pyramids, and uh, we see this watery uh, expanse in the depths of one of the pyramids, and that I used that in the second novelization. This is true. There is quite a bit of water. The technical name for that is the Quaternary Aquifer. And that, and that water beneath the pyramid, the Great Pyramid particularly, is called fossil water because for 3,000 years, it's never seen the light of day or felt natural air. And one of the reasons that Fibes wanted to go to the pyramids that we established this in the in the story is for the beneficial effects of this fossil water Hmm. and that's as much as i can say okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) so when you did the first film did you already have in mind a plan to continue the story or did that sort of grow out of the fact that they demanded a sequel since the first one did so well
6: uh how can I say that? Uh, how can I answer that? <laughs> uh, I'll give you the generic answer. Uh, we knew uh, we moved to to L.A. soon after the premiere. Uh, lock, stock, and barrel. And Damon can attest to this. <laughs> we, we were living pretty well in San Diego. Diego's a wonderful place to live, work in the afternoon, and go surfing when you come home. And you know it's just lovely. But we moved. We moved up to L.A. and we were in. Jim and I were in almost daily contact about where do we go with this? And the result of that is in, I know in my files and Jim, Jim passed away uh, in 2016, but he donated his, his papers to the Troy library. So I'm sure in, in those papers, there are in various stages of completion uh other fives scripts including one fives in the holy land uh, which we'd option by the way so so yeah the answer to your question is yes they there there we did keep an eye on the continu- continuity and we had uh several ideas some of them pretty good on on where we thought that fives was going to go
1: wow that's amazing And Derek, I wanted to point out, you know, one of our most beloved favorite actors, Peter Cushing, was originally supposed to play Dr. Vesalius in the movie, and it was played by Joseph Cotton. Did you know that?
0: I did not know that. I I was excited when Peter Cushing turned up in the second film briefly, but I didn't know he was supposed to.
1: Wow, that's awesome. It's great. He couldn't do it because Helen had just passed away his wife. Ah, okay. Well, that makes sense. But wouldn't it have been great to see Peter Cushing as one of the inspectors? chasing fives
0: <laughs> oh but i've been mean, awesome i mean vincent price and peter cushing were friends anyway and uh to to see them go back and forth against each other in other movies like madhouse or whatever just to kind of see that energy you know that get the in touch would have been amazing oh absolutely not that joseph gotten
1: i mean the movie's great as it is but yeah you're absolutely right <laughs> <laughs> Well, even, you know, Robert Quarry in the second one, Count Yorga. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um so um William, did you get to meet Joseph Cotton?
6: No. No, can't I wish I had. Can't say that I did, no. And and remember the the uh the, the shoot itself was in, in London. Um uh, and I was involved in other things, so wished I had. Uh, he's uh, actually he's one of my favorite actors. Uh, Peter Cushing would have been wonderful. The scenes, uh, Streamline modern, is the architectural. Damon can speak to that. But that that style, uh, we get a lot of comments on that. He and his son are are playing chess in the living room, and we you know we see that style. Uh, that seems to. Uh, have caught on with the audiences. And, you know, we do get questions about what, what the new fives will look like. So we've tried, we've, we've tried to incorporate some of that in, 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 in some of the visuals. It's funny. It's, it's funny how the, how the, some, some things stick, some things stand out and stay very current. And that, and that particular style, it's had a, Damon can speak to this as well. It's had sort of, it's had a renaissance today that streamlined modern, if you're familiar with what the, the Bauhaus uh, movement was doing, uh, this is a hundred years ago, but that style, uh, uh, we, we live in LA and, and LA has, has tours of architectural gems, which go back to that particular style. So uh, I'm all for it. i'm uh, I'm, I'm all for it.
1: Right on. Yeah, I mean, visually, these movies are awesome. And, you know, uh, Robert Forrest does a, a great job with the, with the scenery and his camera work and everything.
6: I'll ask you guys a question. We have someone in mind. Dame, Damon, Damon has uh, had some correspondence with the new Volnavia. If you thought about it at all, who would you see? All right, let, 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 let's be blunt. How, how would you cast? <laughs> how would you? <laughs> it's got it's got a couple of villains including a female a female, uh, a female uh, how, how would you cast uh, some of the key characters in in this new story
1: oh um, boy i don't
6: know <laughs> uh... i'll give you one hint uh, one one of the one of the uh, keys in in you know in any and any story particularly horror is you need a you need a, a worthy adversary, worthy adversary. So in the first film, it was it was the doctors, all Harley Street, uh, very well established. Physician. In this new story, it's the Ponce de Leon Society, which is a, as the name suggests, it's a group of, of uh, white coat uh, entrepreneurs who believe they have found uh, the secret of life eternal because they, and I'm not gonna to give too much of it away, but they believe that in Lady Fives they have found the secret of life eternal and they market shares in, what, in their discovery to their wealthy membership. So okay. who, would you, who would you cast as the, let's say as the uh, director of this, she's a young lady, of the parts of the Leone society, she's a villain. Let's put it that way.
1: Okay. Oh, um, hmm. Derek. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. I'm. Oh, <laughs> that's a tough one. because
0: um, you'd want somebody who could stand up, to, you know, screen presence wise to uh, to vibes.
1: Man. Um.
6: Oh, it's touch and go. It's touch and go down to the wire.
1: Like a Sigourney Weaver level actress. A little um, Too
6: old for that, but she' she'd be wonderful. Uh, yeah. she's got a very t- let's put it let, let's do this. Let's do this. I, I don't want to put the thinking cap on too hard now. <laughs> we don't have too much time, but you know where you know where Damon is. so if if a light bulb turns on, uh, please get in touch with him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm very I'm very serious. It's a tough story, a very tight story. And it's most important that the adversaries are equal to the task. Most important.
1: Well, personally, the first person who comes to my mind in terms of a male actor who would be in a villainous role would, is got to be Lance Henriksen. I mean, you know, you gotta have Lance Henriksen in a five sequel. Okay,
6: okay. I will. I I, I have to confess, I don't know that name. Is he is he a film or television actor? Film film?
1: actor mainly. He's been on TV. If you saw his face, if you look him up afterwards, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He's been in so many movies, but he's just uh, he's just such a good actor, and he's very underplays things very well. Would you agree, Derek? Yeah.
0: It's not somebody I would have considered, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, he's a, he's a phenomenal actor. He's is he still? Yeah, I mean, I guess he's still acting.
6: He's eighty years old. I looked him up on IMDb. Yeah. Oh, Okay. <laughs> uh, he looks. He lo- actually he looks. Uh, he, he looks like uh, uh, some of the some of the classic British actors of of uh, of the nineteen seventies. Uh he may be a, he, he he may be, although there is a part in there in, in the institute for a a doctor. Why not? <laughs> right. <laughs> doctor, <laughs> but uh yeah, he's uh, he let's see, where did he lives in New York? Uh he's got he's uh, no longer married, he's got some kids. I'll make a note of it. You like him?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah.
6: All right, good. Lance Henriksen. Um, thank you for that. You'll get a credit for that. Thank oh, thank you. you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think part of my indecision is I watch mainly older films, so trying to think of newer actors is a little difficult because, um, you know, I do watch a lot of newer TV shows, but I'm watching a lot of old movies, so I haven't really kept up on a lot of the modern actors. Like, they don't immediately spring to mind.
6: All right, here comes the curveball. Uh, I, I see a lot of movies because I, I vote in the academy so get I, uh, I get them I get them mm-hmm. the, the mail I get them online and so forth of the of the last of the last uh, uh, issuing w- what have you seen and w- what if any would be your favorite
1: What do you mean like movies that have come out in the past year or so?
6: Well, yeah for, you know vote, voting is coming up now so of, of the last year's crop, if if you've seen any that you could could call a favorite that you really really liked, I'd like to know about. I uh, I've seen a lot of uh, of, <laughs> of not quite so favorite, <laughs> not quite so fa- Well, uh, that's just the way it is. It's it's one I did like, and my agent used to represent him is is the new Borat uh, film, which is is uh, very very funny. Uh, that's up for a couple Oscars. Wow! But other than that, yeah. Other than that, I've I've seen I've seen a few. Some I I didn't I didn't sit through because it was just painful. But (laughs) well, that you know that that's it. No one no one has a crystal ball. Uh, It's it's a tough game, and the audience today's audience uh, first of all is is not a real film audience. I mean, we're you know we're our whole viewing experience is, is radically different. But if anything comes to mind, i i I'd, I'd like to I'd like to know about it.
0: I just watched on Netflix. Uh, it was one of the Netflix movies. I care a lot. Hmm. Um, and it it, it it a film from last year, but it stars um Peter Dinklage and an actress by the name of Rosamund Pike, and
6: two two terrific actors.
0: It was a really you know i I went into it and about halfway through it, I'm thinking, okay, this is these are just two terrible people doing terrible things to each other, but I couldn't stop watching
6: <laughs> she, she's uh she's very underrated,
0: yeah, uh, she's
6: yeah, a wonderful actor, and of course peter a huge star, and uh i was <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised that he's he's found new work after that tremendous series. I mean, that that was one hell of a workout, but but he's just extremely big talent, so oh, I'll yeah. have to watch that. I think I have it. I'm looking at my collection now. I think I have it. I'll check it out uh, either tonight or tomorrow.
1: Right on. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, you know, another one that comes to mind is Terry O'Quinn. He was in The Stepfather. He was on Lost. He's been on tons of stuff. He actually acted with Lance Henriksen on the show Millennium. He's another good one.
6: All right. Terry.
1: Yeah, O Quinn, O Q U I N N. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. He yeah. he's a uh, tough guy.
1: Yeah.
6: Yeah. He's younger, yeah. Yeah. Tall. Okay. I like that. Terry O'Quinn. <laughs>
1: Thank you. You're gonna You're welcome. two good ideas. <IKE literal? laughs> Oh, too funny. But what what a, a great cast. I mean, Terry Thomas, you know, shows up in both movies as different characters. And it was just as soon as I see him on screen, I think of it's a mad, 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 mad world. You know, <laughs> he's great. Oh, man. <laughs> you know,
6: he's got first of all, he's got that rubber face. And secondly, <laughs> secondly the, the gap in the teeth. Yep. And most importantly, he's just funny to look at. I mean, you can't look at him without laughing right and yet the scene he does is is a brutal scene he's being uh a deathly deadly blood drawn to violin music and he you know he's wondering who's see who's that and, and and we watch him turn turn blue literally that is a very very tough scene especially for a comedian right but he, he pulls he pulls it off he's he's a classic actor that that that's why that's why Shakespearean actors do as well as they do, because they can do everything.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it was funny, too, because is it true? Well, no, no it, was, it was funny. I, I read this, that I thought it was funny. Is it true that Samuel Z. Arkoff actually didn't like the movie, didn't think it was going to be a success, and he actually wanted his name taken off of it?
6: I didn't hear about the name taken off. Sam and I met a... a more than a few times after, after the film, uh, uh, very likable guy. Uh, his cigar was as tall as he was. And, and, uh, to, to answer your question, no one at AIP imagined that it would be a box office. Actually it was a box office smash. AIP was a, 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 a B studio in, right? you know, and, in the business of a of a of a listing, they were they weren't another Paramount, they weren't another MGM, they weren't another Universal, uh, but Fives, at least to read the reviews at the time, Fives got them close to the elite group, and and uh, you know I, I would have these conversations, and my ears would light up. Not that it, you know I was never going to say I told you so. But but it was good to hear that you know that they let us let's, let's just say this it, it exceeded their expectations and part of that Milton Moritz was their uh, publicist and he well for example the, the premier at the pantages he he engineered that and it was a, it was a, a an Oscar event it was red carpet it was uh, antique cars uh, lined up on. Hollywood Boulevard with cops uh, on on horseback it was helicopters overhead it was Klieg lights flashing in the air and here comes here comes the stars and the star contingent being uh, exited from their limousines going into the Pantages and as we uh, we were living in San Diego at the time we flew up and my wife and I we she's a country girl and I'm you know, I'm I'm from a small town. <laughs> it was it was like it was like going going uh, to, to uh, again to be, being invited to the Oscars and then entering the Pantages. I don't know if you guys have been inside, but at that time, and they've since uh, renovated it. But it was it was like going into uh, the Metropolitan Opera. These t- uh, tiers of seats, all gold and you know, just the sound was, was wonderful and we you know, we sat through the film and I'm I'm hearing my words and I'm looking at <laughs> looking at the scenes. And it, it was just it was it was it was it was a heavenly night. When we got out we <laughs> we we walked we walked a block or two the to the Hollywood Roosevelt. It was like walking on on on, on air <laughs> wow. to have a coffee. But it was that kind of night. And Milton Milton Morris engineered all that. So a big credit to him. He he uh, he did what a good publicist does. He got he got fives out there, and uh, got it into position to to become a, a box office match. So so there.
1: Was he the one that changed it? Because I heard the original marketing campaign was done more tongue in cheek, like with the whole "Love means never having to say you're ugly" tagline, and. They changed it to a more straightforward marketing campaign, right?
6: Well, uh, th- that, uh, as far as I know, that was his line. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, and and it stuck. And by the way, gentlemen, if you know a Milton Moritz today, we'd like to know him or her. That's a serious question.
1: Um, no, I don't, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, huh? Oh, no, I don't. Hmm.
0: Huh.
6: Well, c- keep that on the short list then.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. So what was the audience reaction to the movie when you first watched it?
6: My wife was a malapropist, so her term was, uh, we got a standing elevation. <laughs> <laughs> and that stuck. Uh, that stuck. Well, we got home, the kids were home, and, you know, we had to tell them all about the night and, uh, you know, what it was like and the standing elevation, and that sort of stuck. Yeah, that that, that it was a stand-up and, uh, you know, lots of applause. It was like an oscar performance it was uh uh something something that you put in your treasure book of memories believe me and we we want to do it again and that's why i said if you if you uh, you know any any anything that you can add or put to it uh, please get in touch with damon
1: absolutely absolutely so damon what was that like for you when your parents came home after the premiere
6: Yes, it was. Uh, it
4: was a very exciting time. We, uh, as my dad said, we're ready to do it again.
1: Excellent, excellent. And what was that like being a kid? Did you grasp the what was going on?
4: You know, uh, I was totally there for all of this. Uh, the whole family was. We were so up for it. And believe it or not, and and I didn't even know it at the time. Uh, this is something I learned in the last couple of years, uh, is that one of my classmates in high school was actually the son of, of uh, Ron Dunas, one of the bigwigs at AIP. Okay. And so uh, there's, there's the commonality with that as well. And so it just was the sign of the times. It was very exciting. Hollywood was, I don't know, they had a kind of a resurgence. Certainly Vincent Price had a huge resurgence Uh, almost a second career with 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 the advent of the abominable doctor five so i was totally into it i thought we were going to make five films at least that's what originally aip was talking about with my dad and jim whiten and uh it was going to be a five picture deal yeah that's what it was yeah five picture deal so yeah so we've we've essentially been ready to go with another Fibes film uh, since 1972, and and as my dad mentioned, it went through all these permutations, uh, different studios wanting to do it, and uh, ultimately we're we're still on track for that. It's just taking uh, a little longer than we had anticipated.
1: <laughs> no, I have a question about uh, a proposed TV series. In the mid-70s, and Derek, I think you would agree with me that this is something we would pay to see, where it was basically, it was pitched as Dr. Fibes fighting crimes using his considerable talents in makeup and technology. (laughs) (laughs) I'd watch that, why not?
6: (laughs) (laughs) That's a a new one to me.
0: (laughs) Oh that's funny. Oh wow.
1: Yeah, the where I, I looked it up online they said uh, Lewis Hayward and yourself William pr- proposed the TV series to NBC.
6: <laughs> well, I, I may, maybe in another life that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and you know when you're dealing when you're dealing with uh, going going piercing the veil uh and and other lives uh, uh anything anything can happen so I'll I'll check that out. I'll have to yeah. Have the, uh, 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 one, one, one final note we, we have a series proposal which we recently developed we have a pitch deck if you know what that is for the small screen and digital this would be a digital production Okay. Mm-hmm. and you know today the the industry has changed remarkably because of because of COVID-19 so digital is more more uh, popular production and beyond that the Writers Guild and the production companies have recently finished negotiations uh, it, it had been a very thorny issue but they've just finished negotiations on so to take advantage of all this goodwill we Damon and I uh, put together this, uh, this digital version and we are going to be getting that out in along with the, the long form, the screen version. And with uh, with your goodwill and good insight, we hope to have another another meeting with you both uh, in, in, the, in over the coming months when we can make the announcement. That's Excellent. Like.
0: Oh, I'd be honored. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. I, would, I would think that with the way movies are being consumed today, you've mentioned streaming a couple of times and Netflix and series. I can't imagine that Fibes would not find a home on a platform like that. The way that, uh, you know, horror fans and just movie fans in general are now watching films. You said, you know, the way the industry's changed a little bit with Netflix, with Shutter, with all of these streaming services now, uh, and, and a lot of them seeming to be willing to go into the darker subject matter, horror, and, and that sort of thing, I can't imagine that you wouldn't be able to find an audience.
6: Well, it's, it's relatively new. Uh, uh, both Amazon, I'm familiar with their product. Amazon and Netflix are, are both doing um, some pioneering work on on, uh, on their platforms. We're going to be testing those markets, you know, with this with this digital entry and we will keep you posted
1: oh yeah that would be awesome um i did have a couple quick questions too the dark comedy aspect of the film it's it's in my mind it's sort of a horror movie wrapped in dark satire was that your plan from the beginning as well as the the songs that were anachronistic because they a lot of them were from the 30s and 40s was that all part of the whole scheme right from the get-go the
6: score i can't speak to it was angel uh, Kirchner and Fried. can't speak to that because that was came on after the production as far as a dog comedy it's called comic relief and in any horror I mean unless you're doing a Fritz Lang or the slasher movies you, you've got to have you know there's that moment when you're sitting in a dark theater and stuff starts to crawl up your ankle and then you pinch yourself and you say it's only a movie, and, and that's <laughs> that was and that was put in there deliberately because just to see it on the face value is pretty horrific stuff. So we want, you know, we wanted uh, in, the, in the original
1: story this 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 comic relief. Nice, uh, Derek. Do you have any other questions? Uh,
0: you know, I've just been kind of taking a back seat here and just enjoying the conversation, <laughs> but. <laughs> But yeah, the, the dark, the dark comedy, the satire, the comic relief. Uh, Vincent Price seems to be perfectly suited for that sort of thing. And you know, I, I'm friends with uh, his daughter Victoria Price, and she's she said some pretty complimentary things about these films as well. Uh, I, I know that Price fans adore these movies, and I, I'm really looking forward to this 50th anniversary. Are there any big plans for what we're going to do to celebrate the films?
6: I'll leave that up to Damon.
4: Obviously, this podcast. Uh, uh, is is part part of that, and we're going to be on another podcast, uh, Vincent Price. I'm sorry, but, uh, Vincent Price Legacy UK, and Peter Fuller is going to be hosting that. We are going to be getting out our save the date notices, and that's going to be right around May 20th. Uh, so when I when I confirm those actual dates, I'll be sending that out, and that's going to be, uh, at least our s- social media. Celebration, and then in commemoration and celebration of the event, we're also going to be publishing a uh, omnibus of all the Doctor Fives books so far. So we'll we will have five Doctor Fives books in one volume as a fiftieth anniversary celebration for everyone to uh, get their fives. Uh,
1: fix, get their five
4: fix five. through 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 a new book and that that will be uh that will be coming out soon we we will make that available we're going to publish that and and get that uh out into uh bookstores excellent in your area
1: excellent
6: i'll leave you with one secret note. book number six in editing stages right now stay tuned nice talking to you Take care, and uh, let's do it again soon.
1: Absolutely. Glad to have you, William.
6: Okay, so long.
1: Thank you. Take care.
4: Thank you, Rigor. Thank you, Derek. I apologize for the intermittent connection here, uh, but we had a a great time, and uh, let's do it again.
1: Excellent, excellent. And, Damon, real quick, can you tell the listeners where to find you online?
4: So uh, we're on Facebook. We have about five Dr. Fives pages. Uh, and you can, you can uh, search for those on Facebook. It would be Dr. Fives, Dr. Fives Rises Again, Dr. Fives In the Beginning, and Dr. Fives Will Neighbor a Secret. Those are our main book pages, uh, the newest one being Dr. Fives The Andrew Bots. So just type those in on Facebook or just Google them and they will get you to Facebook. And we also have a website, the official Dr. Fives blog. And we have our Twitter page, Dr. Anton Fibes. So you can find us on all those social medias. And we'd love to uh, have you join us and become a member of our Dr. Fibes cult classic series page, which which represents all all the books that we have going right now and notices for future projects.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, Damon. And thank you. Thank you, Father, for being on the show with us. It was awesome.
4: Thank you, guys. I'm, again, I apologize for being in and out. But you guys have, uh, from what I've been hearing, you've you're been great hosts. And I know my dad enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it as well. So thank you all for your time.
0: Next time, we'll have to get one of those devices to hook up to your throat like Dr. Fibes so we can get. <laughs>
4: right, right. We're going to have to do that. I, I'm going to have to be- have a better connection for sure. So I'm looking forward to that, Derek. Yeah. I'll hey, just plug it so into much. my neck. And... There you go. <laughs> Okay guys.
1: All right, take care, Damon. So, Derek, any yeah. <laughs> last thoughts on uh on Dr. Vibes movies and, and all that's going on? I I know they had
0: limited time uh, and and I just I'm I'm so grateful that they were able to spend some time on your podcast and I want to thank you for having me on as well. Uh, I'm excited for what the future of Vibes has to offer and I really it sounds like they really want to go film-wise, but I really feel strongly that streaming might be Uh, a good option here especially when you look at like what netflix is doing uh you know with the prequel type material they do as well like that ratchet series he did not long not too long ago yeah the prequel to one flew over the cuckoo's nest and turning that into Uh, a series yeah you know I, i could just i could really see this finding a home on streaming but you know I'd love to see it on the big screen too, so
1: Right. <laughs> we could have a whole Fibes, you know, uh, a shared universe.
0: There you go, there you go. A Fibes cinematic universe. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. What does Vulvan, what does she get up to when Fibes isn't around and right. how did Fibes really get started? And
1: what about the der- yeah, oh man, that yeah. No I wanna see that. <laughs> I, I didn't want to sound like a moron when they were here, but um I didn't know that Volnavia was was clockwork. I thought she was a real person. <laughs> did I miss something in the movie? I
0: don't think you did, because okay. I was a little confused by that, too. All right, so, good. <laughs> And I just watched it. Yeah, I, me too. And I was trying to figure out, like, how did she come back in the second film? He just kind of said, I need you, and she showed up. So, you know what? I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. She, they would know better than us. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, it sounds like their imagination is just unbelievable with all the stories they've got in their heads. It's crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that's like at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're no kidding, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh man
0: no i am excited to see what they do i'm really excited and and i've heard about the the mcdowell uh being you know fantasy cast his vibes for a long time it sounds like things are moving along and they really want to make that happen so wow i'd love to see it and you know he loves the genre you know mcdowell loves the genre he doesn't mind playing in it at all and yeah and yeah i'm just it would be amazing to see
1: yeah I did think of a couple of actresses now that nobody's probably heard of. They're on TV actresses, but I may send those off to Damon and see what he says. But, um, you know, that would be fun if we get, you know, we, we said, hey, you know, put this person in your movie. And they did, and the movie was a huge success, you know? <laughs> yeah well then you need to start talking about some residuals and you know suddenly the <laughs> podcast budget goes way up and right. yeah <laughs> oh man well it so awesome thanks for coming on the show again you're, you're, you can't be a stranger you got to come on a little more often
0: we got well we've been talking we've been
1: talking yep. off mic and all that yep. we're,
0: we're gonna get some more stuff going on and you're gonna come on to mkr more too
1: that's right awesome gotta make it happen gotta make it happen awesome so tell our listeners how they can find you online derek Oh, boy, I'm all over the place.
0: <laughs> actually, I just made it easier for everybody. I just set up a Linktree. Uh, Linktree is basically a one-stop shop for people to put in everything that they do, if they do a whole bunch of things like I do. So uh, go to Linktree, and that's actually uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot ee <laughs> uh slash and then put in my name Derek m cook now that i'm saying this out loud i realize my last name is spelled a little differently so maybe this isn't easier for people but <laughs> <laughs> l-i-n-k-r dot ee slash Derek m cook and that's the d-e-r-e-k-m K-O-C-H, and that's going to get you links to Monster Kid Radio. That's going to get you links to Dice Monster Dice. That's going to get you links to uh, my book, Monster Hunter for Hire, my personal Facebook page, my personal Twitter. Anything you need to know about me, you're going to find it there. At least you get started there, and you'll be able to branch out and find me all over the internet. But my main podcast is Monster Kid Radio
1: at monsterkidradio.net. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Derek, and uh, we'll definitely talk soon. Sounds good, man. I'll hold you to it. Well, that's all the time we have for Then Is Now today. Again, please check out the Abominable Dr. Fibes and all of William and Damon's books and links. And if you're not listening to Monster Kid Radio, you need to do so right now. You can send your feedback to thenisnow42 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group. Then Is Now podcast is now a proud member of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so be sure to check out the other great shows there at thedorkening.com. You can also visit our website at havenpodcasts.com, where you'll find our sister show, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and spaghetti western movies. And Then Is Now is on YouTube, so visit youtube.com user slash uncledeath1 to get the latest videos, as well as other fun videos. Please subscribe to our YouTube page, and also share the video versions of our podcast with your friends, and get them to subscribe as well. Don't forget to go wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that more listeners can find us. You can find us on all the podcasting apps, especially the big three, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Class dismissed.
2: For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.
0: This podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes
1: only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.